We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Not only have we been talking a little bit of Browns here, and I, I, I kind of sidestep the Nick Chubb conversation. I let you guys have the opinions on it later in the show. I'll, I'll, I'll get to more why I think it's becoming a conversation in Cleveland, and, and also why I disagree with the conversation. Um, other than just as a fan, it makes me sad to think about Nick Chubb not playing for anyone else. Um, I can be pretty possessive of players. I do. Uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the Cavs game tonight, Cavs in Philly, and I, I let out a little bit of caution here, right? And mostly it is, so if we win, we're going to overvalue this game. We are. It doesn't matter. They could win by a last-second three-point shot by Darius Garland, banks in, and you, you escape Philly with a win. They could win by 30. It's not going to matter how you win. What will matter is that you beat the Sixers, and tomorrow, while I am off cabining with my beautiful smoke show wife, everyone here, we're going to be, we're, you know, if, if there's ever such thing as a one-game championship in the NBA, that will be the reaction tomorrow. And when we do the Cavs hype panic scale tomorrow, uh, assuming that Dusty wants to do it without me, uh, the, if the Cavs win it, the hype's going to be through the roof. But if they lose, 
I just don't want the opposite reaction. That, to me, is what I'm trying to pump the brakes on. Because my boy Sam messaged me during uh, during the Cavs talk, and I think I think he caught on to the vibe that I'm trying to just downplay the Cavs game a little bit. Just just reel it in just a little bit here, okay? Just ease into it, baby. Just enjoy it, right? I'm not trying to go full Paul Dolan on you and say just enjoy it. How long do we have him here? Yep, one year. Okay, enjoy it. No, I, I'm simply trying to say that while it would be a huge win. I, I think you have more to gain in a win than you do in a, in a to, to lose in a loss. If you lose, if, if you lose, that's how the English language works. If you lose, you're just an extra game off Philadelphia. And right now, I believe you are a you're, you're game off Philadelphia. So okay, if you lose, you're two games off Philly. You're still probably going to be in fourth place in the East. Worst case scenario, you go to the All-Star break at fifth place in the East. Two games behind Philadelphia for for, for uh, third place. That's not, I mean, guys, I can't, like, I know we've got hype on the Cavs. I know we're loving the Cavs right now. But with that, they are so much farther ahead with this last little push that they had. Because they had those the doldrums early in, you know, most of January. The last seven games have put them so much farther ahead than I was prepared to be at this point in the year. Like I, I don't know we can expect them to, to be a top four seed. But even if, like, you lose tonight, oh, no, we're still the fourth seed. If you win, I think, I think it's – so the better way to put this is, I think if you win, celebrate your ass off. If you lose, eh, we take it on the chin and we move on. Now, that all that being said, I am not trying to poo-poo the game itself. I think this is going to be the most intense basketball game we've seen out of the Cavaliers. And, and by the way, not just the Cavs, the Sixers. I'm saying both sides of the ball. I think it's the most intense game that we've seen from two teams that the Cavs have been involved in since the two Memphis games. Now, the first Memphis game was an all-timer. The Cavs should have won that. It was a straight-up banger, as the kids say. It was so much fun because both teams were playing really well and both teams were playing really hard. And it was end-game uh, situation that cost you that game. The second one, it was just chippy. But both teams were playing hard, but Memphis wasn't playing very well. The Sixers have got a three-game win streak. They're 12-3 and in their last 15 games. It doesn't matter. Well, and like last night, I watched Milwaukee and Boston. Not just, not only did I watch Milwaukee and Boston in overtime, Boston got out to a quick lead, and I was like, "Well, this one's over." But like, it was like three minutes left in the in overtime, and I checked out. Uh, and they and and Milwaukee was down multiple possessions. I woke up this morning. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Boston won that one. As 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 pissed. Is uh, by the way, Milwaukee won that one. As pissed as Bucks fans might be this morning, you can't be pissed. Are you sorry? If you're a Celtics fan, I'm going to continue to screw this one. The Bucks won. The Celtics lost. The Celtics were leading in overtime. That's when I went to bed. It's all the pizza and that damn Prius driver that scared the crap out of me earlier today. Celtics fans can't be pissed today. Get over it. You lost to the other best team in the conference. 
but the game itself, yeah, I'm expecting I'm expecting this to be a playoff game tonight. That doesn't mean the importance is a playoff game. It doesn't mean that if they lose, we should melt down. Remember, you did beat Philadelphia earlier this year, so that 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 helps. But I on the court, I'm expecting to get prime MB. On the court, I'm expecting to get a team that is finally healthy and has strung together probably their best stretch of basketball all year long. Now, probably it is. And probably their best stretch of basketball since in, since at some point last year. So, should it be a banger? Yes. Will it be all-time fun? Yes. Should we overreact if they lose? No. They're still... A great team. They're still they still would be the four seed. They're seven and a, uh, they're three and a half games up off of Brooklyn, so they're not falling to the five seed. All will still be well. Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. How much pressure are you putting on this game? And and more importantly, because it's something Keith and I talked about earlier, and initially I agreed with him when we were getting ready for the show today. Keith had said this game matters more than the last seven games. And 20 games from now, it probably won't. 20 games from now, from the standing perspective, as as important as this game feels, and it could be given wherever you finish and wherever Philly finishes, it could be a pretty consequential, as consequential as an individual regular season game is. You just won seven straight games. I don't care who that's against. There's no one game in the NBA worth any seven games of the NBA. Now, because I said that, and it was completely contradictory to what Keith and I talked about earlier before the show, Keith, I did want to give you a chance to to re- rebut well, that because I, I, I kind of... Well, here's how I feel about it, though, Nick. And I, I get what you're saying because the, the seven games, the seven wins will matter a lot in the standings at the end of the year. But I feel like this game... Because those seven wins came against who they came against, and this comes against a team you're fighting directly for that number three spot, I think it means a lot from that perspective. And I think the team can gain some confidence from this going into the All-Star break. And they've started to play well together. I think the rotation, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff started to get confident in the rotation that he has. And I think if you can go in to Philly, get a win on their home floor before the All-Star break, I think it does a lot for your confidence, especially for a team that went into the second half of last year and really faltered in the second half of the season, I think it gives you a lot of momentum going forward. Well, see, I think that's why I said there's more to gain than there is to lose. Like, I don't think you should – if the if the Cavs get beat tonight in Philly, I don't think we should look at this as, well, they're not fit to be in the class with Philly. Because there's a lot of factors going in. When, when, you, when you have a seven-game winning streak, you, especially as a young team, you can get a little loose, Right? When you have a seven-game winning streak, occasionally bad habits like happened in in, uh, in Chicago and, oh my God, what was the last game? The Spurs game. Some bad habits surfaced there. But it's still on the road where you haven't been good. So like a win at this point, a loss on the road just confirms you've struggled on the road. A win, holy crap, you beat the 76ers who 12, what, I'm trying to do math off the top of my head. I should never do this. 12 and 13 are 12 and 3 in their last 15 games. I was going to try and do the winning percentage. Nope. We're not there anymore. That went out the door about seven years ago. And I should know that. But well, that would be 80%, Nick. 12 and 3? 12 or 15, if you've won that. Yeah. All right. You don't get to gloat on that. 
it's easier for you when you're not talking to figure it out than my naturally dumb ass gets when I'm not talking trying to figure that out. Carry the two, you bastard. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, is this me? Yes. Well, as long as hey, you're Frank. Hey. I am Frank. Hey, Let's be Frank. So, number one, I heard you say a little bit ago, did you say Embiid's playing tonight? I thought he was out. Uh, I didn't say either. Okay. Um, I thought Embiid was out, and I was going forward with the notion that the Cavs are going to rob the 76ers. It's going to be at least uh, 10, at least a 10-point victory once they throw their uh, their bench players in. All right, so let me ask you on that one. Are you willing to lock that one in? I, I would, yeah. I'll put money on it. Right. Well, no, I mean, well, okay, but we're, we oh. we really only lock things in on this show for bleep talking rights. So that, oh, yeah, of you course. Know. Yeah, I know what you mean. So let me look here. Embiid is day to day. Yeah, he's questionable right now. Yeah. They haven't listed. I think people are just reading into the line tonight thinking that he may be out. The line's only one and a half, though. Yeah. Line's close. Ooh, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, Frank, real quick, you're yeah. locking it in, though? I am. All right. If Embiid plays tonight, is this game more important than the last seven games they played that they've won? Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say yes, just because this is a potential playoff matchup. I mean, I've watched I've I've watched every Cavs game this season, um, and like you just said a little bit ago, sometimes they do have hiccups against, especially against teams like the Bulls or like uh, San Antonio, where they just look a little confused and like they're trying to do too much or make one extra pass. So I think this will show us if they can really step up and be the, that top-level team, if they can beat a playoff team at full strength, if they have Embiid. I do think, from a gambling perspective, thank you for the call, Frank. He locked it in. Are you locking in? You know what? Bleep it. We'll do it. We'll do a little homer radio here. Are you locking in a Cavs win over the Sixers? Now, what I will say is he was saying, he kind of alluded to, well, if Embiid's not playing, that's not fair. No, no, no that's not how bleep talking works. You you don't lock it in when the other that's an easy lock in when the when the other team's best player isn't playing. When you don't know if he'll play, and I would just imagine, like I can't imagine Philadelphia would, would sit in bead, even though it's at the given that they don't have to play for the next couple of days, I would I just can't imagine that they're going to 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 sit in bead with a game with this kind of consequence. Like I think the cool thing about where the Cavs are is that there's no there are no more easy nights off for them, right? Teams aren't, uh, unless you're a Western Conference team, which has happened. Like, if you've noticed, the only teams that take it easy on the Cavs or sit most of their players, predominantly it's West Coast teams that they don't have to uh, to, to kind of fight for playoff positioning with. But East Coast, or East Co- or Eastern Conference teams are tending to keep those guys in the games, especially as the Cavs have kind of made this surge and gotten upwards of the you know top four seed in the NBA. But you can only lock it in if you're locking it in with Joel Embiid playing. Otherwise, it's like the softest lock it in. Why would you lock it in when you know that? No, anybody could do that. Be a man or a woman or whoever you are and lock it in. Be an adult. That's what I want to do. Be an adult. Unless you're you know not an adult, then don't lock it in. And don't gamble. It's so funny because, you know, I heard the morning show talk about that's a measuring stick. I I don't disagree with that. But I also think, like, the crazy thing about the NBA is, and I think you can say the same thing in baseball when it's an important three-game series in, like, July. Like, it's important. It's a measuring stick. 
But the crazy thing about the NBA is you're always five games away, uh, five of your best games away from being a different team and five of your worst games away from being where we were eight games ago, where the, the Cavs had gone through a stretch and we were questioning a lot of things. I was questioning a lot of things. If you guys did want to read something, by the way, Dan Devine of Yahoo did just put out a great piece on Evan Mobley. I retweeted it at Nick Wilson says, uh, so during the, the next commercial break, make sure to go ahead and read that. But uh, I want to get to the, the Browns' villainy here, but Anthony's been waiting. Anthony, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, uh, so I, just, I wanted to say I wanted to chime in on the Cavs' talk. Um, first off, uh, if Embiid plays um, tonight, he's a, he's a bad matchup for Jared Allen. I know that's kind of, you know, everybody knows that because Embiid is one of the best big men. But for some reason – uh, Allen has trouble with him, so if he plays, it's a bad matchup. I think it's about um, sixty pounds. I think that about sixty <laughs> but, pounds is the reason why it's a bad matchup. Right, and not only that, he's got footwork like crazy, and um, Allen just can't handle it for some reason, and neither can Mobley. But to my point, the reason uh, the reason why I called, I, I I don't know who you were talking to, so no disrespect to um, uh, your co-host. Um, I don't know his name. His name's but, Keith Britton. He's the assistant brand manager at 92.3 The Fan. What up, Keith? Um, <laughs> I know uh, I've heard him and others say, you know, mention about the teams that the Cavs were playing and how they weren't the cream of the crop of the league. And I just wanted to say, like, were, were these teams getting blown out by 30 by the other top teams in the league? Uh, the Cavs were winning these games by double digits mostly. And I just don't understand why we poo-poo the fact that we're, we're, we are beating the teams we're supposed to beat. And, yes, I do agree with you, Nick. This is a measuring stick, but I feel like Philly is a bad matchup for the Cavaliers anyway. So um, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But I just don't like the narrative that, oh, the Cavs are beating bad teams. And so this game is a measuring stick. Like, those teams are perfect. And I guess they kind of struggled against Chicago and, and San Antonio. Well, those are professionals, too. So I, I just don't understand why uh, people think that the Cavaliers should be beating these teams by 25, 30 points. I mean, they, they did a good job on them. So. so real quick, bud, I don't think they're poo-pooing the wins. I think they're just trying to qualify them. You know, I, I think and, – and by the way, I don't think you should just do this with, with bad NBA teams when you beat them. I think you should do this for most regular season games. Because it depends on when you play, where you play, who you played the couple nights before, whether you played the night before. Like There are so many factors into individual NBA games that don't necessarily um, apply to like playoff basketball. So like I do understand qualifying those games. And to me, it was really impressive. But I'm not willing to say the Cavs are out of the weeds. Like when three games into the winning streak, when J.B. Bickerstaff came out and said, yep, we know how to win now. All right, pressure's off. I mean, I, I thought that was as tactical of, of, of you know, speaking to the press as when he went on the four-game – or sorry, the four-minute state of the, the union press conference before the, the Memphis game. Like I, I thought it was a – I think JB wanted to get that thought, that pressure that had built up. I, th I think that was all about him saying – I don't know that he believes that the Cavs aren't going to have games that they inexplicably lose again. But I think it was just him trying to oh, – up. we got we to gotta diffuse this tension while we're winning. I also think he's wrong. I think when you're a young team, it's not one game, one stretch of games. 
I think across the season you can get better, but like to say that, you know, the Chicago and and, and San Antonio games, those were games that the Cavs either barely won early in the season or lost. Those are the kind of things you can't have that loss or close loss. In the playoffs, you can't. That's how uh, a seven-game series goes the other way. So I think all those things are fair to say. Now, specific to tonight, it is, it's a game. Let's enjoy it. Enjoy the playoff atmosphere. And to what he said about Embiid being a bad matchup, I do agree. There's not really one guy in the NBA, and I shouldn't say that. There's not one guy on the Cavs I trust to consistently shut down Embiid. But there's no reason why Mobley and Allen together can't frustrate Embiid. And I think when you've got a guy that's that skilled, uh, especially when he gets in the post, having Allen on him and then Mobley close by to collapse in on him and challenge every shot, I'd like to see those two, as they continue to evolve together, do that. 216-578-0092. I don't want to just flat out steal the morning show bit, but uh, what matters more, tonight's game against the Sixers or the last seven games? I, I damn near just said, is it a benchmark game? I think it is a benchmark game. That was a good question by the morning show. But we had Michelle Beadle on um, earlier this week. And she actually is really excited about this Cavs team and talks about how likable the Cavs are and what a difference maker that is when you watch them is that you want the Cavs to win even if you're not affiliated to the Cavs. And in that same conversation, we follow that up with the obvious question about the Browns. Well, if the Cavs are one of the good guys in the NBA, what does that make the Browns and whether Michelle was rooting against the Browns? It wasn't just that they gave him a job, right? Because I think if you've watched sports long enough, you realize that if you're good at something, it doesn't matter anything else about your character, um, they'll pay you. Somebody will pay you. Somebody will give you a job. And that's fine. I've learned to somehow accept it after 47 years, kind of. But it's not just that. It's that they outbid themselves and paid him this ridiculously astronomical amount guaranteed and screwed up the rest of the, the pay system in the NFL, which that part is actually kind of funny because I don't, I don't care if owners get screwed. But it's just, it, it bothers me. Um, I don't think anybody will ever pan out for that kind of money, much less this situation. So, you know, it, the way that the owners handled it, the way they handled any press conferences, the way they handled interviews, they did not add to any sort of benefits of the doubt. They actually made it worse. And I think for those of us not in Cleveland who are just watching from afar, if we thought we were going to maybe have our minds changed after listening to any of that, it wasn't. And so it's just, it's a hate watch. It's a one of those karma things where you think, well, you know what? No success for you for the foreseeable future. Maybe nine years from now, you can have some success. We'll see how that works out. I don't think Michelle is going to be alone in thinking that way about the Cleveland Browns. When Dusty and I talked about Deshaun earlier this week, I think there's a difference between pressure on the Cleveland Browns because of trading for Deshaun and not being liked. I think the the pressure that you saw from how people talked about Deshaun this year, how people talked about the Browns for trading for him and giving him the contract, I think that pressure, which is the the never-ending, every time you talk about the Cleveland Browns, we're going to bring this up and try to embarrass the Browns organization and embarrass Deshaun because we don't like what he's accused of and we don't like how the Browns did business. I don't think the pressure will ever be that bad again. 
So um, when I say pressure, I'm talking about that that it 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 bleeds to the actual locker room itself. I think the constant coverage, the constant questions, which is is what happens when you're mired in something like that. I do think that negatively affected the Cleveland Browns this year. It's not the only thing that affected them. It doesn't absolve the Browns for their mistakes, either in how they describe moving and trading for Deshaun or going from Jacoby to Deshaun. But I'm differentiating the pressure versus being a villain because it's very rare in the NFL that you become a villain in the NFL and you haven't won a damn thing. The Browns are officially, and I, I don't think I don't think this is you know I don't think Michelle is the outlier. The pressure, the day to day coverage of the Deshaun Watson. Well, the news cycle has moved on. Unless he has another issue, it, the news cycle will move on. For every uh, great scandal, if you can move away from it, if if there isn't new news, the the news cycle part of this moves on. But the villainy part of it, you're going to have not just NFL, not you know in or out of the NFL. You're going to have people rooting against the Cleveland Browns this year. While the the news cycle's gone, the allegations and because here's the the downside of moving away from something, people aren't going to remember the intensive detail that we all in the the verbal hoops we had to jump through while talking about every iteration of the allegations and the suspension of Deshaun Watson. So then it's just going to be kind kind of a nebulous criticism. The jokes we made about Ben Roethlisberger for a very long time still make. The jokes we've made about Ray Lewis in white suits in Atlanta. And uh and you know, taking stabs at things with Ray Lewis. That's that's going to be there for a really long time. And what's interesting is you saw it with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won enough with Roethlisberger, and there was enough time afterwards. The accus- uh, the, uh, the the legal issues of Ben Roethlisberger were, I mean, hardly talked about when he retired. Kobe Bryant was another guy. When he retired, the conversation was mostly about basketball. But the amount of time it took to get there, the Browns are going to be the villain of the NFL or one of the villains. Fans are going to root against them because they know Deshaun and they know what he's accused of. And if Deshaun gets back to being good at football, they're going to root even harder against him because then it's going to become greatness hate. And then you, you start talking about people in the NFL rooting against them. One... Jimmy Haslam pissed everybody off because he he gave Deshaun Watson a contract that completely reset the market and that put pressure on cheap asses like Steve Bishotti and everybody else who would like to pay their quarterback but doesn't want to pay him fully guaranteed money. Now, at this point, the Deshaun contract's been the anomaly. It doesn't mean the pressure isn't there. Every time Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray or or anybody else gets their new contract. So the other reason why they're a villain, why people in the NFL are rooting against them, there's 12 owners who put in a call about Deshaun Watson that are pissed that they got outbid for Deshaun Watson. And if yes, you're wondering, does that make them hypocrites? Of course it does. 
But I wanted to ask, because the more we talked about it before the show, I think it's easy right now to say, I'm ready for the Browns to be a villain. And I think I think you guys know. I, I like to I like to mix it up verbally. I'm not afraid of uh of sparring over eh, just about anything, apparently. <laughs> Spring football, if you get me in the right mood. I am ready for the criticism that we're going to get if Deshaun starts winning and if next year the Browns are in the Super Bowl and every week where pot shots are taken at the Cleveland Browns. Again, the pressure won't be there, but those pot shots in that dislike, that undercurrent of dislike still will be there. I think I'm ready for it. Because I don't, I don't hate a confrontation. I don't think Cleveland's ready for it. I think we are so used to being the plucky upstart. We're so used to being the, the town that everybody roots for, even if it's a little condescending. We've never been the villain, ever. There's no team that I can think of that has been villainized with the Cleveland Browns until now, or the Cleveland Indians or Guardians or the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've reached a point where I went to text my brother and I, I started texting the wrong brother. Yeah. Their names are so closely linked in my brain. And I, I think the, the, the lure of the cabin probably is not helping this either. That I'm trying I'm fighting really hard to keep the car on the road and not just talk about how much fun I'm gonna have at the cabin with my dog and my beautiful wife. Different kinds of fun. But I'm just trying to keep the car on the road. But I think they already think that I confuse them often because I do confuse them often. I still like will send my like my older brother. I'll send a message intended for my brother Aaron. But there's they're like so close in age. It's just I'm there, guys. So congrats to my little brother. Be safe, all that. Also, I totally didn't almost send our other brother a message about you having a child today. So that's good. That's where we. That's where I'm. That's where we're at. And where the Browns are at is villainy. And I, I'd said that, like, we've never been villains in this town before. And, you know, I think it was Joe on Twitter said, well, the 95 Indians were, were villains because of Albert Bell. No, Albert Bell was a villain. But that's a rare scenario where the overarching narrative was, holy crap, Cleveland baseball's good for the first time in 30 years. And oh, by the way, that guy's an a-hole. Albert Bell, like, at, by the time the, the, and like, I listen, we knew more about him. Like the one time Albert Bell was a villain on a national level in Cleveland was the Hannah Storm thing. All Say what you want. We did a great job of keeping Albert Bell's insanity. Sorry, that's unfair. Albert Bell's um, blow-ups in town like maybe it was the trick-or-treater thing i might have seen that on sports center those two were about it the battery thing yeah joey bell yeah the which by the way guys he was dealing with alcoholism maybe get a little credit there but no i don't think the mid-90s or specifically the 95 indians were villains we're talking about every week 
the the way people talk about the Browns in one way or another is probably going to be skewed against the Browns. And I think we're used to being the the oh bless your heart Cleveland. I think we're used to being the town and this is different than the bless your heart. I think we're used to being the town that maybe people don't believe in. I think we're used to being the town that is the plucky upstart, the Cinderella story. Even when the Cavs were favorites after winning a title, neither even with LeBron, there was not villainy. Not to the level I think we're getting ready for. JJ, thank you for waiting, buddy. What you got for us? Oh, uh, real quick. Real, real quick, JJ. Give me one more time there. What's going on, y'all? Good afternoon. Oh, there we go. Now we got you. All right. So first off, I wanted to just touch on a few things. First off, can we – I get it. It's, it's a topic that we, we all – everybody need to have. But the trading of Nick Chubb, you know, I, whatever – I don't think we will get what we should if we traded him. You know, which in my opinion would be like two first-round picks because we picked him in the first round. And he's, he's lived up to every first-round expectation that I have for him, except for winning his uh, Russian title. And I'm pretty sure he's been close the last few years. So I think we should just put that one to rest. Unless, you know, we're going to get a great haul for him, then mm-hmm. okay. Let's, you know, as far as, uh, as far as us being the villains, I think it's about time we became a villain. You know, I remember, you know, one villain team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they would come into Cleveland, the villain, and everybody in the stadium would know, everybody in the city would know, everybody in the Browns locker room would know that they is about to kick our butt. You know? You know? Uh, Antonio Brown kicked our kicker in the face. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff like that that makes me want to be the villain. And then, I don't know who she was, but you just had her on, talking about she hoped we have Nine years of not doing nothing? That's well, Michelle you know Beadle. Okay, Michelle Beadle, I'm crap at that idea. So it's, it's, it's just that right there that makes me want to accept that role of being a villain Wait. so I can stick it to everybody who's not from Cleveland. Did you just say crap at here. that idea? I crap at that idea of us losing for nine years straight. I've done that already, and I don't want to do it again. So Crap at an idea said, or been bad I, for nine years? Listen, I crap at the idea of us being bad for the next five, nine years. We've done that already. That's if like you know, a Shakespearean if, if, thing. If, if that's us taking on the villain role, well, you know what? It's a lot of villains that I've seen in movies that I'm like, man, I wish, I wish the, the good guy would have died instead of the villain. You know? The Joker is still alive, and I love that guy. All right. Hey, so, JJ. You, know, I, you okay, bud? Yeah. It sounds like we're working through some stuff here. I appreciate the call, buddy. Sorry for, for getting you off there. I appreciate the call. Uh, hey, baby, you want to get some takeout tonight? I crap at the idea. That's solid. That's Shakespearean is what that is. Um, I think it's a lot easier now to say I'm cool with being the villain because I think the assumption is, like he mentioned Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh was the villain, not just because of Ben Roethlisberger, because James Harrison could play a little dirty, because they had some guys who were a little swaggy, like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell a little later, Um, and they were the villain because they won consistently. There's a chance 
that the, the Cleveland Browns are the villains of the NFL and lose. That's kind of the worst of both worlds. So if the assumption is, and I, I do assume the Browns are going to win, I don't, I, I, this, all this, I, I think there's so much negativity after 2022, and I get it. It was negative. It was ugly. There was a lot of things, and there are a lot of big questions about the organization going forward. By the way, you can say the same thing about a lot of franchises that didn't fire their head coach this year. And just because there are questions doesn't mean that firing coach or firing a GM or or trading Nick Chubb, that that's going to, all of a sudden, good feelings are back. It doesn't. Making a move because it makes us feel better isn't the right decision. Making a move because it's the right move, that's why you make a move. That's the reason to fire people or trade people. Not just because, well, this sucks, so let's find somebody to blame. The Browns have done that the last two years. Even if those guys deserve to get fired, the Browns have done that. Now it's can you fix it the way it's built. But that's different than, oh, we're the villains because we're winning. The, the Chiefs are starting to become the villains because Juju Smith-Schuster put out that uh, Valentine's Day card. And because uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey dare say that everybody thought they were going to lose last year, which is true. I was one of the people saying, guys, why are we counting out the Chiefs with Mahomes? Everybody's like, nope, it's, it's Denver's year. Nope, it's it's the Chargers' year. Nope, it's the Raiders' years. I had people, I think Dustin liked the Raiders more than he did the Chiefs. And now people are like, I can't believe he's saying that. He's speaking to hyperbole. No, he's just speaking to how people actually talked about the Chiefs. But they're the villain because they won. Dan, real quick, what you got, buddy? I was just trying to say, man, and uh, I kind of agree with you. We're going to be the villain coming in. But the way mainstream media has, has portrayed us for how many years, especially since we came back in 99, it, I feel like the whole town's ready for it, man. They already crap on us every chance they get. It's, you know, what does it matter if we're the sob story, feel good for us, or we're going to be the villain? It's never been a good narrative. I think town's ready for it, boss. You know, technically, we're mainstream media. Uh, I'm saying ESPN, the large networks. Oh, those bastards. Yeah, bleep yeah. them. You know what I mean? I mean, just when it comes to, I feel like, you know, Cleveland News Radio does does the Browns good, man. But oh. when I'm saying everybody else, it's always like a sob story or, you know, I think I think we're all ready for it and ready to shove it up there, you know? Can I tell you, though, and I thank you for the call, the only thing I would say about that is after living in Charlotte for four years, at least they're talking about you. Like, Baker Mayfield would sneeze and it would be on ESPN. Christian McCaffrey got hurt, and it was never mentioned. <laughs> like, your fifth best player would do anything, and it'd be on NFL Live. Their best player, Cam Newton, bum shoulder. App, we're not even going to talk about Cam Newton being over. Okay. The one lightning rod that Carolina Panthers ever had. The, you either get ignored if you're a small market team, or you get talked about and painted in some sort of narrative corner that drives you crazy. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.